Hello and welcome to The Carcino Show, the podcast that covers everything in the wide world of sports from the eyes of a collegiate student athlete. This is your host, Nathan Carcino, here for a quick episode about some things going on in the sports world. I'm glad to be back doing an episode. It has been a busy last couple weeks as we are in the midst of our indoor track and field season here with my teammates at LCU been traveling to Kansas and to New Mexico the last three weekends. Thankfully, we are home this next couple weeks uh, with our next indoor meets being at Texas Tech, so no travel needed there as we wind down our indoor track and field season and then head into the outdoor season. But a lot of exciting sports news going on at this time of year, especially the NBA trade deadline. So now at the time of this recording, it is Wednesday, February 9th, about 1245. The deadline will be tomorrow, Thursday, February 10th at about two o'clock central time. So we have seen a lot of buzz just in the last 24 hours regarding uh, trades around the league as the deadline nears. Back on Sunday, the Cleveland Cavaliers swung a deal with the Indiana Pacers for Karis LeVert. And then on Friday, the LA Clippers traded Eric Bledsoe, Justin, Justice Winslow, and Keon Johnson, plus a couple draft picks to the Portland Trailblazers for Norman Powell and Robert Covington. Then even back a couple weeks ago, we saw a big move with the Atlanta Hawks trading Cam Reddish to the New York Knicks for Kevin Knox and a swap of former first-round draft picks there. There was also some action with Bull Bull and the Denver Nuggets. He eventually failed his physical with the Detroit Pistons, who he was first traded to, then after the physical was traded to the Boston Celtics and has recently gone through or gone undergone surgery for an injury that's ailed him this entire season. And then some of the biggest news we've seen from the NBA trade deadline on Tuesday morning, yesterday, the the uh, Portland Trailblazers are making big waves as they break up their backcourt of Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. They have traded McCollum to the New Orleans Pelicans as he now pairs up with Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson down in New Orleans. Then also Tuesday afternoon, the Sacramento Kings acquired DeMontis Sabonis and Jeremy Lamb from the Indiana Pacers in exchange for Tyrese Halliburton, Buddy Heald, and Tristan Thompson. So a lot of big names in this one. We will start with some analysis about that Portland Trailblazers deal with C.J. McCollum. One of the bright young scoring scoring guards that we have in this league is McCollum and I know he gets a little overshadowed, especially in the media, by his running mate, Damian Lillard, and rightfully so. Damian Lillard is a all-star caliber talent and one of the best shooters that this game has seen thus far in his early career. However, CJ McCollum is a very, very elite athlete, an elite scorer, and was a great sidekick, if you will, to Damian Lillard in Portland. Uh, a very underrated duo that duo that doesn't get much credit for what they were able to put together over in Oregon. But although they didn't have as much playoff success as they might have liked, uh, that era now ends in Portland as C.J. McCollum will join the likes of Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram, two young rising stars in their own right, now c- kind of creating this young uh, 
nucleus in New Orleans, a little big, a mini big three, if you will, uh, who have, has a lot of potential to grow. And I believe they'll complement themselves well. Zion Williamson, he has been out the entirety of this season due to injuries and kind of getting back in shape. If you ever have followed basketball, you've known Zion's a pretty big boy. He, dating back to his high school days, he's been at least 250 for a good portion of his life. And he is probably the most athletic 250 pound man I have ever witnessed, not in person, but ever seen videos of. And he, he has played that way his entire life. He is, he's known for his high-flying abilities, his quick first step for his size. And uh, it's unfortunate to see him go through the injuries he has early in his career with all this potential that he does have. But still looking for him to be a centerpiece in this franchise's future. Brandon Ingram having come into his own the last couple seasons as well for New Orleans after being traded from the Lakers from early in his career, he has really blossomed and is growing in potential in New Orleans. So pairing them with CJ McCollum, who has been in the league longer than both of them, or I believe a similar age to Brandon Ingram uh, in terms of experience, but McCollum's a solidified baller. He, he is um, known in, known around the league as being a threat to score the basketball and we saw it in Portland, even as kind of the backup Robin position in Portland to Damian Lillard. He may now have a chance to really blossom and take over this team and be the leader, uh, scoring and facilitating everywhere else, especially with Zion Williamson being out to injury. So it's an exciting duo now in New Orleans. Um, it it kind of makes you think that Portland just wanted to move on. I'm not sure uh, if the playoff success or lack thereof had anything to do with this or the relationship with Lillard and McCollum, but nonetheless, Damian Lillard will now take the reins even more than he had prior and will really look to score the ball as or be the main contributor to this Portland Trailblazers team uh, going forward. And so now looking at the Sacramento Kings organization, they get clowned a lot um, in the past. They are on one of the biggest playoff droughts in sports history, let alone basketball. But that is an active streak that they have not made the playoffs. And they're not really helping their case this past weekend, or uh, Tuesday, rather, as they trade away promising talents in Tyrese Halliburton, as well as Buddy Heald and Tristan Thompson. Buddy Heald having been a Sacramento King for quite a while, a few years, and he has really grown into um, kind of a three-point specialist, and he is, again, known around the league for his talents, uh, has done, has played very well, and is, was known for being a an elite ball scorer, even backdating to his college days at Oklahoma. He's always been able to get buckets. That's why they call him Buddy Buckets, rightfully so and uh, has really blossomed into one of the best three-point shooters in the game with his time at Sacramento. And then Tyrese, Tyrese Halliburton, uh, just a two-year player, really has uh, come into his own as well, was in the Rookie of the Year finalists uh, list, just uh, barely missing out on Rookie of the Year of a, a season ago, but definitely one of the brightest young point guards in this league he is very unique in size he is a taller than the average point guard and has really long arms but he also has a great amount of athleticism 
and uh, a decent jump shot that's getting better. But he has a lot of raw talent that I believe would have is going to be very successful for whatever team he is on throughout his career. Um, as it looks right now, he will be on the Indiana Pacers with Buddy Heald and Tristan Thompson. Uh, the Pacers have traded away their all-star DeMontis Sabonis, as well as Jeremy, Jeremy Lamb and Justin Holliday, a couple of veteran wing players. But Sabonis is the big mainstay in this one. He is, like I mentioned, already an all-star, only 25 years old, and he is one of only two players in the league averaging at least 18 points, 12 rebounds, and five assists. And that only other person is Nikola Jokic of the Denver Nuggets, who happened to have won the MVP last season. So definitely some high level of play going throughout this season for DeMontis Sabonis, and definitely a promising talent for the future now in Sacramento, kind of by his lonesome. Uh, in Indiana, he was the sidekick uh, slash front court duo with Miles Turner, who has really uh, solidified himself as a potential all-star nominee in the future uh, with his play this season, and definitely one of the best interior defenders that this league has to offer. Uh, Sabonis is a unique talent. He reminds me of a lot, a lot of Nikola Jokic's game on the X's and O's, especially on offense, when he is able to control the game and run the offense through him as a post player. So he stands at six foot ten, maybe six eleven. He has a good amount of size and strength, but he also has a keen awareness for the court on offense and a really innate ability to move the ball and find cutters. And just as a great overall passer for his size and his position, also can stretch the floor and knock down a three, uh, just like his father had prior uh, when he played back in the day in, in the NBA. He was known for stretching the floor and kind of being crafty with, with how he played the game on offense. And Sabonis has shown that in his career thus far. Uh, now he will be in Sacramento for the Kings pretty much as the – star of that team and leading them going forward can't expect too much out of them uh, in the long scheme of things just be unless unless something drastic changes and they really help out Sabonis and get him a, a effective supporting cast I don't expect them to make too much noise in the postseason but nonetheless Sabonis is a great talent he's uh, an all-star caliber player and he will continue to be, you know, causing havoc in this league like he has. It'll just be now it'll be in Northern California and in, instead of Indiana. And he will kind of be all by himself in an organization that has had little success in the past few, few decades. So best of luck to him as well uh, in Sacramento. And then, like I mentioned, on Sunday, one of the first big moves, the Cleveland Cavaliers picked up another player from the Pacers, Karis Levert, a very athletic wing player. He sustained a couple energy in injuries uh, in the last couple years of his career, but nonetheless is a very gifted scorer, is flowing with athleticism, uh, and which leads to a lot of potential offensively and defensively. He was traded to the Cavaliers from the Pacers and also on the Clippers, they traded Eric Bledsoe and Winslow 
to the Trailblazers. So the Trailblazers kind of giving up uh, a lot of what they have. I don't know if that will affect Damian Lillard's future. He has made it a point of emphasis throughout his career that he wants to be loyal to the organization. He wants to do everything he can to bring Portland a ring in the future. And right now, as after lo losing Norman Powell and Robert Covington, two of their best wing defenders, uh, it's not looking too hot for uh, Damian Lillard's situation in Portland. Also, going back to Indiana real quick, um, having lost Karis LeVert just recently, as well as DeMontis Sabonis, we mentioned Miles Turner and his young career being one of the best interior defenders that this league has. He's leading the league in blocks per game right now. Uh, his future was up for debate as well as this trade deadline nears. Uh, there were a few talks with a few teams, the Dallas Mavericks include Dallas Mavericks. Uh, one of those teams in talks for Miles Turner. Personally, as a Mavs fan, I thought that was a great move, a great idea. Um, and if if that continues to be pursued, who knows what what there will be to offer. But uh, now in Indiana, Miles Turner will be the main guy in the front court, and he will be paired with a very suitable point guard in Tyrese Halliburton now with a perimeter threat on the outside and Buddy Heald as well, supposedly. I've been I've heard that Miles Turner is excited for uh, excited for the opportunity to play with Halliburton in his young career. Uh, Tyrese Halliburton has a lot of potential and a lot of you know benefits to a post player like Miles Turner. That'll be a very dynamic pick and roll offense that they will have in Indiana. So as it looks right now, it may not be likely that Miles Turner leaves Indiana, but we will see going forward and a supposedly um, as of a couple minutes ago, the Pacers do not plan on trading Buddy Heald. Although initially after acquiring him, they said they would be open to a swap. It looks like that decision has slimmed down in uh, probability as though it looks like they're going to keep Buddy Heald after acquiring him on Tuesday. And now the biggest news that has come thus far of the NBA trade deadline surrounds two teams who have yet to come to an agreement on anything yet. And those teams include the Philadelphia 76ers and the Brooklyn Nets, two teams that have a lot of star power on each side. Philadelphia 76ers uh, headlined by potential MVP candidate Joel Embiid this year, as well as all-star Ben Simmons and on the flip side of that Ben Simmons has played zero games this year has really struggled with his relationship with management and we have been expecting him to be in trade deadline buzz for months and months prior to this week Ben Simmons has been on a holdout period where he will not meet or participate in any team activities uh, whether in practice or in games so his future in in Philadelphia is pretty uncertain. Uh, however, Brooklyn has been inching towards the idea and quote, they are absolutely engaged in trade discussions about Ben Simmons and they are including the likes of James Harden, according to Brian Windhorst, uh, a potential deal with Ben Simmons and James Harden. Supposedly, Brooklyn has been asking for a lot more than what Philadelphia has offered thus far in the in the potential trade. And these this is an interesting idea for both teams because 
Brooklyn right now, according to Vegas, has the highest odds still to win the championship. They have Kevin Durant, who's a solidified Hall of Famer already. He has nothing nothing left to prove, but still has been playing incredible basketball. And he was actually the second highest vote getter for the All-Star game uh, he, this season. He will be one of the captains as well as LeBron James. But they have that. They have him. They have Kyrie Irving, who is still a, a ticket seller. He's one of the best athletic point guards that this game has seen and uh, although he has dealt with some off-the-court issues regarding the vaccine um, James Harden is you pair him with those two guys and it's one of the best big threes that this league has ever seen unfortunately because of these off-the-court issues we haven't seen these three on the court at the same time very all very much at all this season Harden having sustained a, a lot of injuries this year, many more than he ever had in his days in Houston. And then, like I mentioned, Kyrie Irving uh, not allowed to play in any home games <clears throat> due to this New York State mandate regarding the vaccine. Uh, however, in the past month or so, Irving has been cleared to play away games for the Nets. So Steve Nash was able to use him on their road games as their point guard and get him kind of in a rhythm. Uh, there were talks that they would purposely kind of drop in the um, in the standings in the East so that they could potentially get in the play-in tournament and win home court, or uh, rather not have home court advantage if they are a lower seed. While if they, if they get a matchup with a higher seed who will have home court advantage, that means that Kyrie Irving will be more available to play in those more road games that they would have in the playoff series. But that is far to come down the line. For now, the trade uh, deadline is tomorrow, and the 76ers and Nets are still in talks between these two as we speak. Uh, like I mentioned, Philadelphia asking a little more, or excuse me, Brooklyn asking a little more from Philadelphia than what they've offered thus far. But when you think about it, I th personally think that this will be a terrible move to make if you are the Philadelphia 76ers general manager. And the reason I say that is because not only are these two teams in the same conference, but they are in the same division, meaning that they will play each other more than they will ever play any other team, regardless, or other than the rest of the teams in their division. But if you trade one of your star players who is a very, very young as well, who has a lot of potential down the line, you trade him to a division foe like Brooklyn, who is currently the favorites to win the entire championship, and Brooklyn already having the likes of Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant on their squad. Although you are acquiring James Harden, James Harden's getting up in age. He's already in his early 30s, while Ben Simmons is still in his 20s. And I personally think a combination of Ben Simmons, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving have a better shot at not only defeating them in a series, but ultimately winning a championship than does Philadelphia if they have James Harden and Joel Embiid. I do believe that will be a very, very incredible duo that is Harden and Embiid, the way Harden's able to manipulate a defense in the pick and roll specifically. And we've seen what James, Joel Embiid has done this entire season. He reminds us a lot of physical presences like Shaq that we've seen in the past where you just dominate down low. And uh, we've seen the athleticism from Embiid able to stretch the floor as well, hit mid-range jumpers. And 
the dream hitting some dream shakes as he's worked with Hakeem Olajuwon in the offseason before really showing his bag this season stretching out the floor shooting from deep shooting from midway mid-range and then also dominating down low pair him with a guy like James Harden who's a league MVP a solidified all-star and hall of fame uh induction inductee in the future pair him together as long as Harden and Embiid can both stay healthy that would be a very dynamic offense um and if you if you look about it I mean as as Philadelphia I think you're giving up too much for what you're getting back although you are getting back an incredible talent in James Harden you are giving up a Ben Simmons who although is a little off mentally per se, uh, especially with the off the court issues. But nonetheless, he's a 6'10", 6'11", point guard who is elite at distributing the ball and getting out in fast breaks. Although he can't shoot to save his life, um, he is definitely still a threat on offense as well as on defense. One of the best defending point guards that we have in this league. And that size definitely plays in his favor there. But a combination, if you add him with his playmaking ability and his uh, pass first mentality, passing to a guy like Kevin Durant isn't too bad. And he is one of the best scorers that this game has ever seen and as well as Kyrie Irving's ability to break down the defense with his quickness. Um, Brooklyn will definitely win this trade if it does go through. Now, it is still to be seen how much, uh, in addition to these two players, will be included in this trade. I'm sure a lot of draft picks and uh, maybe some cash compensation and as well as uh, other bench players that are on each roster right now. But as it looks, uh, there is nothing in the talks or they're, they're in talks, but nothing yet to be finalized. couple more tidbits on the NBA trade deadline surround Washington Wizards guard Bradley Beal, who is actually going undergoing season-ending surgery on his left wrist, according to ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski. Beal, who is a three-time All-Star, is eligible to sign a five-year, $245 million contract with the Wizards this offseason, and he also has a $36.4 million player option for next season if he decides to re-sign. Beal was one of the guys who had a lot of talks surrounding him as the trade deadline nears, but as it looks now, he will not be dealt away from Washington and will undergo... Uh, surgery on his wrist that will end this season and then we shall see in the future where what his future holds in terms of his contract with the Wizards or a contract elsewhere but a little more news about the we're going on in the sports world include uh, football and uh, some exciting things that have gone on this past weekend as well as this weekend to come so just this past Sunday the NFL Pro Bowl went down and the AFC defeated the NFC 41 to 35. And if you have ever watched any Pro Bowl games or this game on Sunday, you'll know that defense isn't too much of a priority throughout. Um, There's not much tackling at all. It's pretty much touch two-hand touch football. If you get in front of a guy and you stop his momentum, that will pretty much equal a tackle. And uh, a lot of lackadaisical play on offense as well. These guys, although they are all world talents, they've only been able to practice with one another for a, a couple days. And so 
the team chemistry is not there. And especially on offense, that is very crucial if you wanted to actually play well and, you know, get efficient drives. Uh, we did see kind of a, a lot of high scoring, especially in the first half. We actually saw a couple uh, pick sixes and there were, I think, like eight interceptions in total in that first half. So pretty sloppy play overall. But the main thing about the Pro Bowl is just to entertain the fans. It is one of the things that most fans look forward to in the league. However, personally, I think that they could get away with the Pro Bowl or for some somehow make it a little more competitive, a little more fun to watch. Um, but it is it is cool to see all of the league's best players who aren't in the Super Bowl um, be able to compete and go out and show their performances. We even saw leading up to the game on Saturday, they had the skills competition where they would have races and get games and catches and challenges and things like that. So it was cool to see the players interact that way, especially uh, the Diggs' brothers. We had Stefan Diggs, the wide receiver for the Bills, and uh, he was he, he and his brother Trayvon digs for the Dallas Cowboys they are both Pro Bowl selections um, one representing the AFC one repping the NFC and they actually lined up against one another uh, in the game both on on both sides of the of the field Trayvon Diggs usually a cornerback and Stefan a wide receiver so they were paired up against one another and then they fl flipped spots and when the NFC had the ball Trayvon Dix went out as as wide receiver and Stefan played cornerback so it was good good banter between the two brothers and it was fun to see there especially as a Cowboys fan rooting for Trayvon uh, the league leader in interceptions this season Justin Herbert and Max Crosby finished the game as offensive and defensive MVPs. Max Crosby being the hometown hero in Las Vegas where the game was held at the Las Vegas Raiders Stadium. And all the money that uh, these two players have won for being the MVP of the game, it will be donated to a charity of their choice. So cool to see from there. But like I mentioned if there's a way for the NFL to make the Pro Bowl a little more competitive or maybe have some some weight on it in some way, uh, it would be a lot more entertaining for fans to watch, especially if you uh, watch the game regularly like I do and you're used to hard hits and good actual actual playing football and competitiveness. And then in this one, it's pretty much just fun and games and we're out there having a good time. Uh, still still entertaining nonetheless, but uh, what I like about the baseball all-star game is that whoever, they do have it in conferences, so they have the AL and the NL, and whoever wins the game, that conference gets home field advantage in the World Series. So when, when it matters the most, uh, whoever has home court advantage or home field advantage is the winner of the all-star game a couple months prior. So if the NFL maybe had uh, an instance like that, that would be interesting. Uh, you could, I mean, they already have a, a neutral site for the Super Bowl, but if they're able to figure out a way to make the game a little more competitive, it would be a lot more entertaining. Uh, we've seen that in the NBA. They have made it an emphasis to try that. Um, the NBA has been scrutinized as well for just having lackadaisical play uh, in their all-star game where players would just run around, not play defense, just try to dunk and shoot as many threes as possible. Um, and then just recently, a couple years ago, they added the new element of the fourth quarter where uh, instead of having a game clock in the fourth quarter, they would have a target score, meaning that 
regardless of what the two teams, I think they, they, were, they had to add on a certain amount of points, but the, going into the fourth quarter, there's a target score of, let's say, 73, and both teams are in the 60s or 50s somewhere, and the game ends whenever one of the teams hits 73. So there will be, it'll end with a game winner, which is always fun. And the players get a little more competitive once they realize that they're in it no matter what. There's no game clock slowing them down. Uh, they can come back on one another and uh, make the game a little more interesting, especially down the stretch. So that's an interesting element that the NBA has implemented in their All-Star game. Uh, the all-star rosters for the NBA actually just recently got released. I mentioned Kevin Durant is one of the team captains. LeBron James is the other team captain. Those two, the top vote getters after the fan vote had ended. And then they will go on TV and draft their all-star starter rosters amongst the pool of eight other uh, players who were the highest vote getters from the conferences um, those, some of those players include Giannis Antetokounmpo, Stephen Curry, uh, and guys like that who pretty pretty solidified stars in this league. Uh, a couple surprises was Andrew Wiggins actually being voted as an all-star starter, his first ever all-star nomination in his young career. Uh, he's a guy who was drafted number one overall back in the day and sustained a couple injuries to begin his career so got off to a pretty rocky start um but he's finally been able to come into his own recently and play to the potential that we saw from him years prior and it, it especially helps when you're on a team like golden state who has guys like stephen curry and draymond green who's up for defensive player of the year potentially this year and as well as clay thompson as he's getting back in the mix getting into the flow of the offense uh Combining all those guys together is a lethal combination for Golden State, and that's why they have a good shot at uh, contending for a championship this year. But nonetheless, kind of surprising to see Wiggins, um, not necessarily one of the biggest, biggest stars in the league when you have guys like Giannis and LeBron and Kevin Durant, um, but still playing a, a reasonably well this season and uh, de definitely enough to get himself a vote for the all-star starter in his first ever all-star appearance. And then Trey Young also voted an all-star starter. He was not an all-star at all last season, and that definitely motivated him going into this season. The year before that, he was actually an all-star starter as well with his little nemesis and Luka Doncic. Uh, those two will always be linked after their trade deadline trade for one another, sending Luke Luca to Dallas and Trey Young to Atlanta, repping the Hawks. So Trey will be a starter in this one. Luca was voted as a reserve, as well as guys like Devin Booker and Chris Paul and Draymond Green. Um, definitely some guys who may have been uh, deserving of an All-Star starter position, but you only you only have ten of them uh, to to be voted as an All-Star, and a lot of it is up to the fans anyway. So. That could be another thing that is uh, changed when you talk about all-star games is the fan vote. And a lot of the times it's, it's very, very biased. Uh, you'll see kind of the charts going through um, as the fan vote is going on. And you see guys at the top of the charts who maybe only played a couple games this season, uh, maybe just because they've missed so many time, so much time with injury or what, what have you. And they are in the top five of fan votes still just because of the name and because they're a popular face. But um, that's one of those things you, you're going to expect if you 
let the fans decide the all-star voting. Uh, nonetheless, uh, it's still an exciting time, uh, and it's an exciting game no matter what the sport is. Uh, this past Sunday was the Pro Bowl in which we saw the AFC win, as I mentioned. Um, this coming Sunday, actually, is uh, after the Pro Bowl week, we have Super Bowl week, which will f- feature the Cincinnati Bengals and the Los Angeles Rams, two uh storybook runs to the Super Bowl for both of these teams thus far this postseason. Uh, the Bengals being led by Joe Cool himself, the new edition of Joe Cool, I guess you could say. Uh, Joe Burrow behind the helm. He's a guy who's had so much success such recently in his career, having won a national championship at LSU as well as a Heisman that season, one of the best college football seasons we've ever seen. And then in the his rookie season in the NFL, sustains a torn ACL, but bounces back better than ever and reaches the Super Bowl in just his second year as a professional. He has a bright supporting cast around him, including Jamar Chase, his former running mate at LSU. They have switched from LSU Tiger to now Bengal Tiger together. And they're a very dynamic duo who's had a lot of success this season be looking out for Jamar Chase to have a big game again on Sunday as they face the Rams stacked defense who has been uh, dominating teams thus far. Uh, they had a big up, a big victory over San Francisco in the NFC championship game after uh, San Francisco had knocked off Green Bay, which was a big upset. Uh, but the Rams have all the star power you could want on both sides of the ball on defense. Jalen Ramsey is arguably the best cornerback in the league. And then Aaron Donald, most definitely the best uh, defensive tackle this game has to offer. One of the best football players in the National Football League, period. He's just a dominating force down there, and it's almost impossible to stop him no matter what you throw. Uh, so that's definitely going to be a challenge for the struggling Cincinnati Bengals offensive line, who we saw gave up eight sacks against the Chiefs in the AFC Championship game. Uh, but the magic behind Joe Burrow was able to escape the pocket well enough to, to lead his team to victory in that one. Nonetheless, Aaron Donald will be the toughest task that this Bengals offensive line has seen this season. Um, and that is just the defensive side for the Rams. The offense is just as powerful. Uh, you have Matthew Stafford, Stafford at the helm at quarterback. He's a guy who's gone through a lot of difficulties in his career, mainly because uh, he was on a lackluster organization like the Detroit Lions for so long to begin his career. Although he played with a Hall of Fame wide receiver and Calvin Johnson, they were never able to have much, much success overall. And now moving to the Rams, the Rams have shown that they're really going all in for this season as they acquire Matthew Stafford and guys like Odell Beckham Jr. as well to surround uh, the team with what they already have on offense and defense. They're definitely, uh, it's like a Super Bowl bust mentality for the Rams and they have reached the game this season that they will play on Sunday at their home stadium, SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles. So kind of a home field advantage there, but Matthew Stafford is one of the best natural quarterbacks we have in this league. When you think of Patrick Mahomes and his sidearm throws and his uh, ability to move out the pocket and change his arm angle to hit every pass, Matthew Stafford is really the revolutionary of that skill dating back to when he played in Detroit 
especially on his goal line stands, you, you often see the sidearm flick of the football that, to throw a touchdown pass. Uh, a lot of that comes from Matthew Stafford and his play, and he's been playing like that his entire career. Uh, definitely a great talent at quarterback, as well as his number one weapon, Cooper Cup, uh, probably the best wide receiver best wide receiver season we have ever seen in the NFL this past season. He was the triple crown winner, meaning you lead the league in receptions, receiving yards, and receiving touchdowns all as a wide receiver. Um, he is having a tremendous season and is one of the most efficient players in the league overall. He does everything right at the wide receiver position, and he's a very technical route runner, very quick for his size, and he's also pretty powerful. He leads the league in yards after catch, meaning uh, once he once he catches it, he's he sees some green field and he is going at full speed. Very quick, very fast, um, and very uh, elusive when it comes to making it hard for the defenders to get him down. And like I said, he's pretty powerful for his size, although it may not seem like it. Uh, he can definitely break some tackles and get in the open field. So one of the best wide receivers that the league has to offer pairing with Matthew Stafford. And then you have Odell Beckham Jr. who's our, he has solidified himself as one of the best talents in this league. And he has since his rookie season back with the New York Giants, just a tremendous athlete. Um, and we've seen it. All his career, he has had hype surrounding him, and he has finally reached the Super Bowl, his first time ever being in the pinnacle game. I'm be excited to see if Odell steps up to the challenge and really solidifies himself as a potential Hall of Fame player. I believe if they win this game and he goes off for at least 100, maybe a touchdown, really has a, a crucial game for the Rams that he is solidifying his case for a future Hall of Fame induction with all that he has done thus far in his career. And it's great to see him in a good position and with a good organization. Uh, it was tough to see his situation in Cleveland with Baker Mayfield not getting him the ball as much as he should have and as much as Odell prefers. Um, now with Stafford, being a much more seasoned veteran to but compared to Mayfield. He's able to spread it around, get it to Odell, as well as get it to Rob, um, Cooper Cup, um, Tyler Higby at tight end as well. Uh, they have a lot of weapons on offense, and that is what has propelled them thus far in the playoffs and as they head into the Super Bowl against the Bengals. Personally, I think the Rams come away with the victory here. They have just a little more experience in the postseason, although it isn't much. Uh, this was really kind of both quarterbacks is coming out postseason. Uh, Matthew Stafford had won his first ever postseason games this season, as well as Burrow. And Matthew Stafford has been to the playoffs before. He has never reached this point in the playoffs, but... Uh, he has definitely stepped up to the task in one of his first pl major playoff series, uh, making it this far against some good com competition throughout the way. Um, Joe Burrow, he's a young talent, and he has everything going right for him, especially on and off the field. He's, he's gaining a lot of publicity, and rightfully so, but I believe that that L.A. Rams defense will be a little too much for him, um, and I don't think he's going to back down from the stage at all. He'll definitely come out gunslinging and giving his team the best shot. But I think that Rams offense is a little too too 
powerful as well as the defense. There's just star power on all sides of the field for Los Angeles. I predict that they come away with the Super Bowl victory. We will have an episode following the Super Bowl recapping everything from the from the X's and O's on the field as well as all the prop bets that everyone loves to hear about in the Super Bowl. We got the national anthem, the coin toss, the commercials. I'm very excited for the commercials this year. We'll talk about all of it on the next episode, recapping the Super Bowl and who will come away with the Vince Lombardi trophy. A couple last minute rundowns to wind down this episode around the sports world. Back in January, Rafael Nadal took home the Australian Open tennis title and breaks the tie with him, Roger Federer, and Novak Djokovic for most career major tennis titles. Rafael Nadal now has 21 career title championships while Federer and Djokovic stay behind at 20. This was a season or this was a a major tournament in the Australian Open where Novak Djokovic came in as the number one seed and the favorite to come away with the trophy this season and take he break the tie himself however he has not gotten the COVID vaccine for whichever reason, I'm not sure. It's kind of the same similar similar situation with him and Kyrie Irving. Um, however, the, gov- the Australian government, their rules are very strict regarding the vaccine, and uh, Djokovic's travel was very questionable in terms of if he were ever even allowed to be in the country. Uh, he was actually deported from Australia prior to the tournament happening, so he never got his opportunity to play in the tournament or uh, get exceed the expectations that were upon him to start. And then Rafael Nadal, I believe, was seated, seated sixth in the tournament, uh, came out and played as good tennis as he ever has, uh, especially even in his later age. He's proven to play at a championship level and uh, he got number major number 21 now. These are three of the best tennis players we have seen of all time, and to see them all playing in the same era is truly remarkable. Uh, although Federer is on the downwind of his career, uh, who knows how many major, major, major championship opportunities he'll have in his future. He is still a force to be reckoned with, and uh, arguably the greatest tennis player to ever live although now Nadal has the record for one more major title than him with 21 and also some basketball news now the LCU Lady Shaps basketball team won their 100th straight game at the Rip Griffin Center that exceeds the division one record set by UConn of 99 back in about 10 years ago but the Lady Shaps of Lubbock Christian have been playing some pretty good basketball this season. Um, They are, I believe, top 15 in the country still uh, for D2, and they hold the Division II record by a long shot for the most home wins in a row, now over 101 since the time, uh, since they've won their 100th game. They've won a couple more at home, so looking to extend that that streak as time goes on this season. And last night in the Rip Griffin Center was a very historic day for the Lubbock Christian men's basketball team as graduate senior Parker Hicks scored 50 in their win last night against Texas A&M International University, 76-68. to 
having been on the air for the broadcast of this one, it was one of the best basketball games I have seen in a very long time by an individual player. Parker had scored 34 points in a row. I Actually, I think 36 in a row to start the game for LCU. 40 points at halftime, and Parker had 36 of those 40 points. And then he kept it going a little bit in the second half as well. He broke the Lubbock Christian all-time single-game scoring record when he sinked a free throw to give him 48 points. And then he made another layup late in the second half to give him the half-century mark. The old LCU record for most points scored in a game was back in 2019 after Brendan Fowler scored 47 against Rambling. And in this one, last night, Parker dropped 50 to set the new mark, and that is the fifth highest scoring game in Division II this season. So remarkable play from Parker Hicks last night at the rip. The next game for the men's and women's basketball teams of Lubbock Christian will be tomorrow, Thursday, February 10th, in Canyon, Texas, as they face off at the the, the rivalry of the range, as they call it, as they face off WT in Canyon. It'll be an exciting matchup. They played earlier this season when the men's teams were both ranked in the top three in the Division II national poll. Um, However, both teams have kind of dropped a little bit. LCU now currently ranked three themselves after having lost back this past Saturday, their first loss of the year to Dallas Baptist at home. That was a tough one, but a good bounce back win last night and some great momentum, especially for Parker Hicks going into a rivalry game against WT on their home court. So some exciting action going on in the sports world uh, this past weekend, as well as throughout this week and heading into this weekend. Uh, We have a lot of NBA and NFL action and headlines to be made for the days to come. And like I mentioned earlier, we will have a Super Bowl recap show uh, following the game on Sunday. As always, follow The Carcino Show on social media at The Carcino Show on Twitter and Instagram for daily interactive content as well as updates on new episodes. Thank you for listening and we'll see you in the next one.